You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. G'day and welcome to JCN Clinic Podcast Show. I'm Carissa. I'm Jessica. Today we're going to talk about perimenopause. <laughs> Did you notice how we flipped that there, guys? Anyway, um, we decided because perimenopause is such a trendy thing at the moment. Is that the right word? It's just everywhere mm-hmm. at the moment, isn't it? Perimenopause. I feel like obviously Mia Friedman's doing her very Perry kind of seminar series online this week. So there's a lot of people talking about it. Um, I've recently done a, um, a seminar workshop on it. I've spoken in a masterclass about it. So I feel like it's just a lot of people are asking about it. So we thought timing wise, considering this is something we do treat in, we don't treat or it's a, it's a, it's an area of life that we work with all the time with our clients. We thought, why not jump on the bandwagon and talk to you guys about it as well? Absolutely. Yeah, it is. I said to Carissa, I think you should steer this one because she's been quite obsessed (laughs) with the perimenopause space. And I think one of the reasons why it is really kind of current and now is that generationally, with the generation that really is, dare I say, ours, it is is that... area where as we move through social media and um, our generation is more vocal about what we're going through versus our parents who never really said much as particularly the the females our our mums were very like just push it all under the carpet let's not talk about things our generation is like what's going on what's happening with my body and now this generation of women are hitting into their late well, I should say late forties. Let's say take it back a bit older. Late thirties, heading into their forties, yeah. mid forties, and they're experiencing this shift, and they want to talk about it. And so there's this massive space um, that is now there for women of this generation to go seeking other people going through what they're going through, find information, and mm. they just want to talk about it, which is really bloody awesome. Yeah, I think I think it's awesome and exciting, and I think like anything that you and I talk about like it's such a space that you don't have to be afraid of like and it's such a space that you know up until the last few years hasn't gotten a lot of attention but it's like like the gut health space and you know all this or like mental health space like it's all of these Mm. things that are being so like kind of swept under the rug and now like you said like there is so much information out there there are practitioners who love working in this space there's so many things you can do to get your sort of, you know, your, your perimenopause and into your menopause years to work for you. And I think it's something that we just don't need, I think, don't need to be so freaking afraid of. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like anything, like if you do the right things and work with the right practitioners, like, you know, your, your perimenopause years can just be exactly that, like another life transition. And yes, you're going to experience some changes, but that is what the body does as she ages. So, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Well, I think, oh, actually, no, there's something I want to say about that. But I think before I do, we'll dive into what we're it talking is. about as far yeah. as what do we mean? What is perimenopause? And yeah. what does that, 
how does that differ from something like menopause or as you've popped in your notes here, early menopause? Because most, mm. most people are probably more aware of menopause versus peri. But do you want to yeah. explain first what yeah. that is? And then I just yeah. have something to say about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about that. Okay. <laughs> so definition-wise and depending on what literature you read and who you listen to speak, speak about this like there is a differentiation of what I'm about to say but it doesn't it doesn't vary too much so I define peri uh, or perimenopause as the two to ten years before menopause um there are I have seen other people like with a bit of a different um date like year variation there but it's ballpark ballpark ten years before menopause sets in how you can sort of start to work that out for yourself is understanding when your mum went through menopause is really important because mm. genetically that is a really good indicator. So if your mum went through menopause at the age of, say, 50, there's a chance you're going to go through menopause around that same sort of age bracket. Or there's a very high chance unless something massive happens with your hormones in the, in the, mm. in the you know, decade leading up to that. So, that, so for, for example, like let's use me, I'm 38 this year. My mum went through menopause at, say my mum went through menopause at 50. That's sort of two to 10 years beforehand or two to 12 years even is and where you start seeing some big hormonal changes, which we'll talk about, is what we consider the perimenopause sort of years. And then we have early menopause um, and then we have menopause. So early menopause is the kind of shift from peri into menopause and there's sometimes one to two years there where the period really starts significantly mm. changing but that is actually you know able to be diagnosed in pathology whereas perimenopause is not perimenopause is more of a symptom checklist which um i've got written down somewhere and i'm sure i'll find it i've got it somewhere and i'll don't you know it off the top of your head i know most of uh, it don't you, aren't you telling. dreaming this lately <laughs> yeah, i know right so there's this so i know right? i should know it off the top of my head um so there's there's peri which is a, a perimenopause which is obviously a that two to two to ten years beforehand you have early menopause which is just as your period's starting to drop out so say like you may not have had a period for eight months or you have, you have you have a six month block and then you get a period and you haven't had anything. Um, what we want to look for in pathology there is two high FSH readings, and these are way higher than what you would see in normal like your fertility years and stuff like that. So if you get two high FSH readings at some stage where your period's starting to scatter out and you're assuming menopause is on its way, and I'm talking like what I see in pathology is sometimes it up and up and it's like 40s and 50s. Um, sort of a thing so I can see it that high and then you have menopause which is the last time you get that bleed you have a 12 month break and you have nothing and if that obviously continues once you crack that 12 month mark you are menopausal so mm -hmm. there, there's a it's a big it's a big timeline for women like we're talking you know this can realistically be 15 years of your life this whole transition from you know your fertility years and I think there's a massive overlap now for women between our our fertility years and our perimenopause years because we're not all having babies in our early 20s like it's quite mm. common now that you know women are having babies in their 30s into their late 30s and early 40s so there's a, yeah. There is a bit of a big overlap in the hormone space. Um, and I think too, that's where women do get quite confused and really start to not understand what's going on with their bodies because it's, it is some big changes and there's a lot that happens from a hormone point of view that we'll talk about. But um, yeah, mm. that's kind of the difference no, between them. That's good. Even with what you're just saying there, as far as the fertility years, like you can sort of see with your description there, how you can get that muddy water of where women having mm. um, kids later in life where it can actually be skirting into those peri years depending on what their individual yeah. hormones are doing and I think also a lot of women 
conversely to that, get confused about where they're at and uh, mm. thinking maybe they're in that peri stage and even with the... Um, as you were talking about with Mia Freeman doing her her um, thing at the moment and talking about Perry, I sometimes hear what she's saying and talking about her own personal symptoms, and I'm like, dude, I don't think you're in Perry anymore. <laughs> I think you might oh, be really? in early menopause. Oh, like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. um, I haven't really listened to any of it, so yeah. I don't, yeah, it's like a, as far as where women really understand where they're at. Um, yeah. And, you know, as always, it, it's good to, to know and understand this for yourself so you have that empowerment I've, I've, about I've, what's going on in, in your body and understand why things are changing. Yeah, I've got um, the checklist just for oh, have so you? the, the Perry well, checklist. I found it in the <laughs> like, Well, we'll go through that in a second. The, uh, the thing I just wanted to say, which I don't know, maybe it would have been something that related later on, but when you were saying earlier about when it comes to perimenopause and menopause, how it's something we shouldn't be scared of or stressed about. Um, It's just something that's just a transition. I just, I feel like one of the things as why women can feel stressed and um, scared of this space is also because of what it means for us psychologically. And I can speak to this too as, as someone who's turning what am I turning this year? I always forget. Am I turning? I think I'm turning 46 this yeah. year. I want to say 45. But I think I turned 46 this year. And it's it's about like also what that means. Like as you are moving from years of where you might consider yourself a young woman and a young, and what it means in society to be like a young fertile woman and transitioning into this time in your life where you're not considered young anymore and you're I know this is a outside the scope of what we're talking about with health but it's about that currency of how you value yourself value yourself as a woman in Mm, society and how society society dictates you as being um, valuable on your youth and on your looks and how everything's about youth and beauty and as you start to age and you see those changes in the external of your own body but also your body changing and telling you you're old in inverted commas that's really it's confronting it is and I'm talking a lot with my girlfriends about this now and even with my sister and I've had discussions about this and how like I've said to her you know I think the next 10 years of our lives from here are going to be really confronting like you know and, and that's just being really raw and honest here because like you know, I I know that between now and through to maybe my mid-50s, there's going to be a lot of changes that my body's going to go through and then how that's going to affect me mentally and emotionally. And then, you know, I joked with my other girlfriends on the weekend about this, but then I said, you know, then when we get to 60 plus, we're going to be like, hell yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> and I look at the like 70, 80 year olds at my local gym meeting up, having their scones and tea at the gym after they're t- um, playing table tennis on a Tuesday morning. And I'm like, yeah, I've got that to look forward Bloody to. Bloody bring retirement. <laughs> but I guess I just wanted to bring that up even at this point, because I just, I feel like yeah. it's not really talked I want to talk about this from a health point of view and everything that we do but I just think it's an important aspect as to why women can get scared and funny about it is that it is also about what it means for you as a woman yeah I think fucking awesome point and I think (laughs) yeah like I didn't even bring that into what I was going to talk about but I think yeah the psychological impact is is huge I think 
even just it's interesting like while we're on that like just that transition like when you're talking about how you're viewed by society and just in general like the first time you get called like um like just working in retail like oh give the girl give the girl the shirt or give it give the girl a coffee call and then that sort of changes and mm. like i get called ma'am now like i'm like <laughs> <laughs> the first time I got called ma'am, I'm like, I just got called a man. <laughs> oh, lady. Lady, yeah. No, but that's so true. But I, And I also think, you know, there's, you know, I know, I know it's such an, like an old school mentality, but a woman's worth has so been defined over the years by her ability to reproduce and have babies. And yeah you know, and, and look a certain way and, you know, definitely looks and that have always come into it. But also, you know, like, and just listening to different men speak of different generations and things like that, there is just still that real, like, you know, when women are of their reproductive years, they're in air quotes, useful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And then once we're not, it's kind of like, we're like cast to the side. And out it's to just, pasture. Out to the pasture. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So it definitely can be like a, from a psychological point of view. Yeah. Like you're right. It's massive. Like I'm, I'm a few years behind you. So for me, like I haven't had, I haven't thought about that side of it yet. So it's a really Oh, it's dumb, coming. It's coming. Oh, it's man. coming. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> just, just got to jump, just got to jump the fence into the next pasture. <laughs> oh yeah. But I think the other big side of it too is like just even from a um, and we're going to get to this too with the symptoms. But as usual, Jess and I write a write a list to cover, and we just we just cover it the way. Just go rogue. Just go rogue. (laughs) I think the big the big thing that you know a lot of women struggle with, and we're going to talk about the periods and the hormonal changes and the mood fluctuations and all of that, is the weight gain. Um, yes. from, you know, and yeah. I think like, you know, there's obviously an element of that that is normal and expected, but for a lot of women, it, it happens quite quickly. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, that, that comes down to psychologically, like that's a massive shift for a lot of women as well. Like, cause obviously we're so conditioned as a society, society, and even as women ourselves, like, um, we, a lot of us define ourselves by our weight and, you know, like it's a, there's a lot of psychological work that needs to happen there to not feel like that about yourself. But if you haven't done that work in your twenties and thirties and you've managed to maintain this, this physique into your early forties, and then all of a sudden your mid forties or fifties when menopause comes or anything like that. And all of a sudden there is that weight gain that you can't control. And for some women it's, you know, it's five to 10 kilos quite quickly. Yeah. It's horrifying for women. Yeah. Like that's the, one of the biggest conversations I have with a lot of my clients is they're like, I just want to be X amount again and I'm this. And mm. trying to just say to them, like, I, you know, I can do everything in my power to fine tune your nutrition and your training and, mm. and all of that and get you working with a good, you know, strength training coach and all of that. Like there's things we can definitely change, but there's that. I, I can't make you 20 again. I can't make you 20 again. Exactly. Yeah. And I can't make you 50 kilos again or, you know, 55 yeah. kilos again or you know, it's just, you know, like, you know, there's an element we might be able to shift, but there's that, that psychological okayness with the fact that this is going to happen a bit as well. And sometimes, yeah, like mm. I know that's a big one for a lot of women, even without, yeah, just the weight itself is huge. So, yeah, yeah, yeah so true. Would you want to run through the symptoms checklist? Let's do the symptoms checklist. Should we? So this no, one... I was going to actually, maybe I shouldn't. I was going to say, should we? check it off as we yeah, go yeah, but maybe yeah. we should this could yeah, be really I'm, I'm confronting because when i did it in, in my workshop like i actually did that like when i did this yeah. this workshop i just pulled up my workshop notes from the workshop i did a couple of a month or two ago 
So this is off. If there's something like vaginal dryness, though, I'm not going to share that with our listeners. No, <laughs> Just well, a that... heads up. No. <laughs> I don't think they need to know that. No, I don't. Let me just go through this. Definitely not. That's more. That's more like um, met the early menopause into menopause. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, thinking of this as if to work out if you're in perimenopause, and I think I I think I pulled this from either Lara Bryden or Dr. Carrie Jones. I can't quite remember which one, but I knew I I might have been Lara Bryden. So this this is literally a list from her. Yeah. Um, a woman over the age of 35 is said to be in perimenopause if she notices any three of these nine changes. And obviously that comes, comes with a disclaimer, ladies, of if you have any other significant hormonal things going on, like stress, under, under, you know, um, under it, low body weight, anything else that would impact your period that could cause these things, this is not a, a checklist for perimenopause. Like you, you've got, you know, potential other stuff going on. But for anyone that doesn't, over 35s, Hands up, Jess and I, obviously. <laughs> um, three of the nine changes. New onset heavy or and or longer period flow. New onset or and or heavy. Heavier, heavier longer no, flow. I'm no, I'm a no on that. Shorter menstrual cycles. Oh. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a, yes. I'm a yes on that. Yes, no, so I'm a yes. Because I used to classically, I've always been like a more 28 to 30 days and I'm 100% a 27 day every, apart from yep. one random month I had. So yeah. Yeah. No, um, definitely. Now I think about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I have had the odd, like I know when I'm stressed, like, and this is where we'll start to talk about progesterone and egg reserve and all of that. Like I, I can have a 25 day cycle. So typically, and we'll talk about how progesterone comes into peri. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so we've got one. You saw swollen or lumpy breasts. Yes. You, did you say new breasts? New no, soil, like, new... they say new, like so different, different to normal, I think. <laughs> Whose are these? Is... <laughs> Where did these my, come from? I've got myself a third breast. <laughs> so I'll just say. You saw Olympic. No, I'm, no. Yeah, I'm going to say yes, because my, I've obviously had fibrocystic breasts in the past, but I know in the last few years, like I've had to be a lot more onto managing that, especially mm-hmm. in the last probably 12 to 18 months. Um, Mid sleep waking. What do you mean by that? Like in like, the middle of the night, waking yeah, up? Yeah. 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 But that's all. I've always okay. been like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, increased um, menstrual cramps. Like, so more, more than normal. Oh, I, that's a difficult one for me because I can go through periods of, yeah. I mean, periods as in like time lengths time, of being yeah. fine. And then, but a very, I would say a bit more recently but when I take when I do the right things and take the right things they go away and I haven't been doing that so that's where it's a bit hard and I think this is where it's hard for you and I because if we did none of the things we do we'd probably tick more of these boxes quite quickly but because we we both understand our hormones and work and our hormones and our stress and all of these things like we probably have a lot of this stuff a bit better managed um so there's the mid-sleep waking which definitely I know is quite in the last 12 months for me in the lead up to my period something that happens and or and that increased night sweats premenstrually yeah yeah so yeah so they're actually two separate things so we've already ticked three between us with the yep. shorter cycles and all of that um increased menstrual cramps i think i said before yeah um markedly increased or new migraine headaches i'm a no there no, i don't get headaches no i sometimes yeah. get them but then yeah no nah, i'm gonna say no not not a difference yeah, increased or new premenstrual mood swings. I'm just always a fucking mole. So 
shit. No, I don't think mine. I don't think so. I don't yeah. know. It's so I remember, I remember being a real pain in the ass with these ones because I'm like, yeah. well, I have definitely had some more yeah. like yeah. teria. PMS, but I yeah. think it's been because of what's been going on. So I'm yeah. going to say, I don't think so. Yeah, maybe you're not even in perimenopause, Jess. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe you're going to go through menopause at 60, mate. Maybe. <laughs> um, weight gain without changes in exercise or eating. Nah. I can be a classic yes for that. But in saying that but too... But you haven't been moving as much. I haven't been able to train. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like if I took... I know, for example, like if I took my thyroid support out of the equation and my adrenal yeah. magnesium support out of the equation, I could probably tick so many of these boxes. Yeah. But because I do all of that and I do my saunas and deep... Like I'm so aware of my... Yeah pre-peri hormones like i would say i'm only just on the cusp of it anyway but because i've had such a strong hormonal history in terms of estrogen and learning so much about my hormones and my thyroid i feel like if i didn't start working on that in my 20s i would i would be classic early perimenopause Mm. candidate like i reckon i could tick i reckon i could tick seven out of those boxes yeah really quickly yeah so and this is what we want to talk about today right like yeah how, how how well this this whole transition of life into menopause and all of that for us women can be managed like it doesn't have to be 12 years of an absolute horrible yeah. horrible space where you've got horrible things happening yeah know? well there, you yeah you're right like there's a really good example of why we're so passionate about talking about this because mm. like you and i've just done that list and there's a lot of like yeah not sure because of what we have done and what we do do. that has made that a lot more of a softer transition for us so yeah 100% so should we talk about what is that all of them was that the nine yeah that was it that was nine yeah yeah so I think definitely I ticked three I did three easily but I know if I hadn't done all the hormone work I've already done and continue to do it I reckon I'd easily be seven out of nine already and I'm 38 yeah easily Fascinating. And I think I did at least, I don't know, I got confused, but I definitely did three of them, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Three with a lot of meh. Three and a few few meows. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about next on your list is what actually is happening. So um, I know you you mentioned it before, you want to talk about the progesterone Mm. um, and what's happening as far as the estrogen. So I'm going to, I'm going to mainly navigate this one over to you because again, you're going to (laughs) froth over this area. Full disclaimer that Jess and I have had an hour and a half meeting with each other before we started this podcast and I was so excited. I was so excited two hours ago to talk about this and now I'm just like, we've done a podcast on it. I'll just refer back to estrogen and progesterone. (laughs) And it's really good because before we had our big chat, I already said to Carissa, I'm going to like handball a lot of this to you. So I'm just going to, now I'm like, (laughs) sitting back going. Take a stage. Okay. So essentially it's just. The transition from where you are in your more fertile years to becoming less fertile um, and getting ready for that next transition into complete, like almost like your um, egg reserve starting to run out and going into menopause. So it really essentially is just uh, a, like your egg reserves start to decline. So obviously, you know, and that obviously changes how your hormone cycle functions. And with that, what we see is, you know, 
decreases in your progesterone hormone, which if anyone's listened to any of our other podcasts or follows any of the other hormone you know, gurus and stuff like that, like your progesterone is your dominant hormone in your luteal phase. So you have your first half of your cycle, which is obviously your um, follicular, your follicular phase. Then you have your ovulatory phase, which is mid cycle, which is obviously in a healthy period cycle. Um, and then as you release an egg, you get this beautiful, you know, release of um, progesterone. And that's what holds your period cycle out to the 28 to you know 30 days which is considered a normal healthy cycle and with that you release this beautiful healthy you know egg so as we age that's just simply just it's a decline of that Mm. essentially is that egg quality um egg quality and egg reserves start to you know i hate using the word decline but they do you know they change and they start Mm. to change significantly over that 10 years um but also the the progesterone kind of surge changes with that as well so obviously Mm. that's where we can start to see well we it's, it's interesting because it's not always you can look at progesterone and pathology and progesterone can still be quite strong for women well and truly into their late, their late 40s sometimes. But it's, it's what happens conversely with the estrogen at the same time. Like there's some really big up to three times the amount of estrogen sometimes produced. So obviously we know that estrogen and progesterone and if you, if you don't, then go back and listen to all of our other podcasts where we've chatted about healthy hormones and stuff like that. But estrogen and progesterone have a really a beautiful relationship when they work synergistically together. But when you've got a progesterone and an egg reserve on the decline and you've got estrogen spiking up to three times its normal levels at certain stages of the cycle, that fundamentally changes how the cycle starts to behave. Mm-hmm. And estrogen... Um, when again when it works beautifully is so amazing and it is a hormone that is so protective of our bones and involved in you know bone mineral metabol like metabolism of you know minerals and all this kind of cool stuff but when estrogen is being a pain in the ass (laughs) essentially what she does in perimenopause (laughs) um that's where that is actually the causative factor for a lot of the symptoms that women experience so so it's understanding you know that you're getting this decline of estrogen um, decline of progesterone, sorry, but these increased surges of estrogen that have to be dealt with by the body. And if this is, and I think this is why we, I love perimenopause and that hormones so much is because the gut becomes a massive player here, mm-hmm. which is why, like, obviously, you know, it's so exciting to have dived into the gut space first when, you know, with you when I first finished my degree, because I feel like I could not be the hormone practitioner I could be without having mm-hmm. the knowledge of the gut that I have. And, you know, and I know you're exactly the same. So there's so much to do with your estrogen and how she metabolizes and how your body deals with it through your perimenopause years that I believe, apart from some of the other things we're going to talk about with thyroid and adrenals, are actually key to getting the best out of your peri years. Mm -hmm. So if you can understand what your estrogen does, really focus on your liver and really focus on your gut and get your estrogen to metabolize and detox effectively. Mm -hmm. A lot of the symptoms that are associated with these high estrogen, estrogen driven um, surges um, can be really well managed. And these are the, Mm -hmm. you know, all the things that were in that peri sort of list with, you know, that that weight gain um, without changes in exercises or eating, estrogen, also thyroid and adrenals, Mm -hmm. Um, premenstrual mood swings and depression, Mm -hmm. anxiety, estrogen, also potentially adrenals and other neurotransmitters but estrogen um, migraines mostly estrogen potentially histamines but estrogen has this really significant role no matter what other part of the hormone cascade you sort of look at she's there yeah so i feel like understanding that for women in perimenopause is probably one of the biggest things and then understanding what other parts of 
the hormone hormone cascade like thyroids adrenals insulin cortisol how they all play in together and that's how you can really fine-tune this 10 to 12 years of your life quite beautifully so mm, yeah perfecto yeah. i think what's interesting for listeners too who new to understanding this space is that there's a general understanding that when you go into this time of your life that your hormones just drop like particularly estrogen which will happen Mm. later on but I I really like how you pointed that out about how actually that's not the case to start with Um, in particular in regard to estrogen um, it's it's generally more so um, yeah seeing this surge and I and I love how you've just pointed out that relationship of that through to the symptoms and then even then how that would relate back to certain symptoms we would see in younger women where estrogen is either miss we could say maybe well is it misbehaving or is it just that as you said it's not detoxifying properly that your gut isn't detoxifying your liver isn't detoxifying that phase one two and three Mm. needs some serious support so it's really fascinating how it kind of relates back to just symptoms in general for women with their hormones, but also how this transition or this time might see more symptoms because these um, areas aren't working as, as effectively or or that they, they need that support. They need that Um, support. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, definitely that, that detoxification and that gut component is just so crucial. And we see that time and time again, massively through this time. Um, and I think to go back to that hit list and us umming and ahhing about some of that is because uh, Carissa and I work on ourselves and have worked on ourselves for a long time in this area. We know how to support this. I know for myself, if I'm starting to get a bit of um, breast tenderness and a bit more crampy and some of those symptoms that were on that list, um, which I have a tendency to get and always have, but Mm. even now when I'm technically in this stage, I know what I need to do is get in and work on my support of my liver clearance of my estrogen and a few other little tickle ups here and there from that perspective. But it's, it's just fascinating how, um, this really highlights that relationship and yeah you and I love that because it's like it's the gut and the liver I know and I think you just nailed it perfectly by saying like when you and I want to work on our estrogen we we're not working on our estrogen directly we're working on our clearance of it we're working on our liver and our gut like that is what we're doing so yeah yeah yeah, exactly I think is such a big part of the picture that's also very missed when it comes to hormones and all of that so And and a cool thing too for I think um, getting an understanding of this for women. I feel like we've talked about this before a lot, how your period is a report card of um, mm. what's gone on the month before or sometimes the months before. But I always think about the month before. And I think of when you've had a month where there's been more pressure on your gut and your liver, how you can have a really shitty period. period like yeah. I know I've had an epic April with like big weekends with friends and a lot more alcohol than I'd usually have. So I know my next period is going to be a bloody doozy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, why did I do it? But it's, it's interesting and just it's kind of a, it's like a, a short term little um, way of showing how mm. when you um, have more pressure on that area of your gut and your liver, um, how that it can flow through and express itself in how your hormones behave. Yep. Yep. 
Absolutely. Do you want to? I know we we're going to go into. Do you, let, do, let's talk about the other hormones while we're in that. Yeah, I, I think like they, that makes sense. Like, yeah, next. like I just jotted our list down, but mm-hmm. I think the other big thing to consider here is, and when I do these perimenopause kind of workshops, when I chat to my clients, when I'm you know, like just, you can't like anything in the body, you can't segregate your reproductive hormones. So your estrogen, progesterone, DHEA, all of, you know, those we have, we didn't even really talk about those guys in, um, in perimenopause, we just talked about them. But anyway, another, another topic. We, <laughs> I'm on another tangent now. You can't, you can't separate you can't separate just those from then what's going on upstream and you have to think about your hormone cascade i say it's like a spider web with each little joint of the spider web being almost like a hormone you know when you kind of see a spider web and the the morning dews on it and you've got all of these beautiful little strands yeah (laughs) but each strand like where a raindrop accumulates is where there's a join so think of each one of those little like joins of you know the weaving as like insulin and cortisol and you, you know your thyroid your thyroid hormones you get tsh t4 t3 like you know you've got your estrogen you've got cortisol you've got you know your brain communicating to all of that so think of your brain like the center of the spider web but if you go through and and just wipe wipe out one side of that spider web the rest of the spider web's affected do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's the same with sort of hormones like you can't you can't just segregate, you know, the reproductive hormones and go, well, I'll just work on those, but I'm not mm. going to address the adrenals and the thyroid. And I think this is, this is a big part, like estrogen quite often gets the blame and, and she definitely is involved in a lot of things here. And especially when we're talking about, you know, that, that perimenopause weight gain and menopause weight gain, estrogen gets the blame for a lot of it. But you've got to look upstream as well and go, what mm. else is, what else are we looking at here? Because and thinking about what a woman goes through in her life stages and especially with women having babies a little bit later now more so in their 30s and even if they haven't they've had babies in their 20s the the stress load on a female i'm not going to i shouldn't say this day and age because i know like our mums and our grandmas it's just all different do you know what i mean but women generally these days have a couple of kids they have a career and all they're working or they've got a couple of businesses on the side that they're doing. They're running the household. They're so socially engaged. Like women, people, women, people in general are so social these days. Like there's just no downtime. Like I look at what most of my friends with kids are doing and working and all of that. And I'm just like, whoa, you know, yeah. like it's, and then they're usually training and exercising, which is great. But there's such that, you know, that once we start to put on weight in our you know, perimenopause sort of years, like they, well, a lot of women are overtraining, potentially yeah, under-eating, which is something that. we'll talk about that as well. Yeah. But like, there's just so much stress on the, the HPA axis, which is your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis <laughs> um, for everyone. But that crosstalk communication between your brain, your adrenals and the thyroid, which I think she always gets left out. And your thyroid, she's what controls so much of this, you know, like if you've mm. got nutritional deficiencies in like i know we'll talk about talk about this but iron and iodine if you've got high estrogen that's not being cleared properly if you're pumping out cortisol like a mofo if you're not balancing your meals and your insulin's all over the place your thyroid is going to really significantly dictate what happens with Mm -hmm. your weight and your energy and how you and how you go so Mm -hmm. you know there's 
there's so much that happens i think when we talk about perimenopause and menopause like all anyone really thinks about is estrogen progesterone and hormones just you know declining as you sort of said before but it's not we've got this surge of estrogen this decline of some of the other hormones but you've got all these other hormones that you've got to you've got to think about and understand what part they're playing in all of this and really manage that throughout this space as well because for some women it'll be their thyroid needs a lot more support or their adrenals need a lot more support or their insulin needs a lot support more support or all of it needs fucking support so true and i love how you just pointed out just that pattern of what can happen like as far as the general lifestyle of women at this time Mm. of life they can be often in a some of the most stressful times of their their life or their years so like how is that impacting as far as that hpa axis but then if that's happening and these changes are happening and they're seeing that their weight is uh not responding how it used to and they're starting to gain a bit of weight then they're starting to put on top of that maybe some overtraining and then they're like uh, they're thinking oh well I'll just stop eating as much and their Mm. diet starts shifting and changing so that starts screwing around with what their cortisol insulin balance is doing depending on what that food looks like and their Mm. timing of meals through the day and it just it all actually can become this really sort of adverse biofeedback um, mm. and you can see like as you said that nice little web of the, um, how everything should interact like it is interacting but it's like mm. the web just turned toxic yeah it's like someone's just kind of so it's like someone's just kind of gone through there with a stick and poked holes one of those little one of those little, one of those little mean kids that likes to torture animals that goes in and you know like pokes holes in the spider it. web it's literally it and you know and i think it's such you know it's such a big thing for women that and it's a hard one psychologically to get our heads around because we're so conditioned to lose weight mm. you need to overtrain and undereat and we and yeah. yes it worked for us in our fucking 20s because we that's our, the problem that's yeah. the problem is you know we could do that we all did it in our 20s like you know you could just go on a bloody drinking bender for a couple of days and you know not even just drop three kilos or if you, you had a wedding come up or you know something like that you'd just be like oh i'm just going to literally eat salad for a couple of days oh, and you would but yeah. you know in in our 30s and our 40s like that doesn't work because our yeah. adrenals and our thyroid they're, they're, they're more tired behind the yeah. scenes they're more nutrient deficient you've got so much more stress on your plate they're already starving for attention and you're mm. just adding more stress to that plate yeah. and so the natural reaction i just say to my clients like the natural reaction is your thyroid goes fuck you i'm powering down well yeah and how much do we see this a lot don't we with clients in this age and they're just like but it's not i used to do this like they're so frustrated like i can't yeah. shift this weight and i'm like doing this and i'm doing that which is often like i'm training so hard and i'm flogging myself i'm doing these hit sessions and i'm like you know only eat i've got i can think of one client that's like got herself down to like 800 calories a day and oh i'm like god. oh my that's, god that's but, breakfast. But often they'll just that's say, breakfast for me <laughs> and and often what they'll tell you is like this is what i used to do and it used to work and it's just getting their head out of that space and going you you're so not hard. yourself in your 20s like yeah. that used to work back then <laughs> as, yeah. which was still a really 
adverse thing to do to your body. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, thing, things are different. Things are different. Things and are essentially different. you're stress you're stressing your body out. You're stressing out all of these hormones and these these beautiful relationships between these hormones mm. and your body. What did you say that it's doing? Which is what was your analogy? Down. It's powering down. <laughs> I'm just I'm just always like that experience. I'm just like like that's your thyroid going nut nut. I'm going into survival and st- and storage mode. <laughs> until you give me what I need to feel safe and you know and it it is it's interesting like I see this too like this probably opening up another can of worms but we'll open it anyway is that I have had clients be told in their early 40s or mid 40s that they are in menopause or early menopause because their bodies are so stressed out and they're not releasing an egg or their period they're maybe getting a period every three months or you know every four months or they're getting the really short periods like every 21 days so having you know more likely anovulatory cycles and you know the their gps are my friends are gonna go away the gps are you know just saying oh you're basically just going into menopause don't worry about it and i'm like fucking bullshit you're going into menopause like what age did your mum go into menopause and they're like oh 52 or 53 i'm like you're 44 you're not going to menopause you are training six days a week you Mm. are under eating you're running a business you're looking after kids you're trying to be superwoman um and your body's just stressed it's just it's exactly what happens to a girl in her 20s just doing different things to stress her hormone cycle but your brain is just telling your ovaries it's not safe to release an egg Mm -hmm. you know like you're and that's that I've seen that happen for a lot of women where, well, not, not a lot, but definitely enough that it's recognizable where they're told they're in menopause or going into menopause and they're devastated psychologically because, mm-hmm. again, it's that, oh, okay, well, my body's shutting down eight years earlier than it should have and going mm-hmm. through this transition. It's like, no, we just need to look at this, you know, this stress and just take some of the stress off and just allow it to feel safe again. And you can go through menopause in your early 50s the same time your mum did. Yeah. Like, which I think is, yeah, no, it's, it's having the right practitioners understanding and asking you the right questions if, you're, if you are a woman in your 40s who is in that sort of situation and you think, oh, maybe I'm just going through menopause. Like there's some really specific questions that need to be asked to actually determine that and some really specific testing and are you just stressed? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, so true. So next area is about key considerations from a nutritional POV, according to Chris. And I'm guessing POV means point of view. Bang, I heard it. Oh, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) So what are these key considerations? Everything we've talked about, what can we look at doing to support ourselves from a nutritional and lifestyle point of view? So... There's going to be a bit of a crossover to some other podcasts here. So yeah. as usual, we'll definitely put some of those in the show links we, yes. in the notes, show notes, <laughs> links. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> so um, look, we, we will always say first and foremost about that macro balance, that foundation of whole food eating. Like it's, yes, we say it all the time, but Get that right. Make sure you have that right first and foremost. But what we will highlight here, and we have talked about in a few podcasts recently, um, and again, I'll put in the show show notes, is about protein at this time for women. Um, protein, 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 protein. <laughs> such a huge area, and one of besides besides how integral protein is 
in general for its role in being an integral building block of hormones, an integral component of our muscle mass, which um, and and even looking at our collagen and these things that can can start to decline as we are aging, how important that is. The other thing that I would really like to point out here is is about Kristen's <laughs> standing up and dancing it looks like she's stretching I'm, out the back I'm stretching um, out the back <laughs> but what I wanted to t- talk about actually with oh. protein is what tends to happen like what we've highlighted with what we see in clinic and what women tend to do as women get a little older uh, the average women that we see who aren't on top of their health will start to eat more sparingly if they feel like their weight um, is a little out of control. So they'll start to not eat as much. That can often mean that they aren't eating as much protein. But also, um, often what I find with with women and, and men as they get a little older is that their digestion may not feel as robust and that may be because of a plethora of reasons but even as we age we're not producing enzymes as effectively to break food down and that can mean even our hydrochloric acid production for breaking protein down in our stomach can start to decline if we haven't looked after us our gut and we've always been pushing the boundaries just the time of that can add up and what that means is you put that all together and Often you'll have women and men get to this sort of 40s plus, 50s even plus stage and they'll just start not eating as much protein because they'll say it doesn't sit right. It feels like it's really heavy. It's not digesting Mm. properly. And I'll see a lot of women just stop eating protein as far as like they'll start with not eating red meat and then they'll stop eating chicken and then they'll stop and they'll just start pulling protein out and they don't understand how to replace it even with alternate non-meat protein and how to create that alternative. So it's actually, I, I kind of wanted to point that out because it's a really common practice that happens. And not only do we need protein at this time in our lives, so importantly for the health of our hormones and for our muscle mass, which is so vital for helping keeping our hormones in a healthy space. It's like we we have such an important need for it. and We want to make sure we're getting it. It's like we also need to make sure we're actually consuming enough or not massively under consuming it because of other factors um so yeah i just i guess i just wanted to highlight that um as well as a reason that i see a lot of women Mm. not consuming protein um but then on top of that aside it's like understanding (laughs) the absolute crucial um need to be getting enough and what that does for us as a female because it's still do you i don't know if you agree i still feel like protein it's getting better but it's still often looked at as something that's more about men and building muscle and muscle mass and drinking your protein shakes and like not understanding just how valuable it is as a macronutrient yeah a hundred percent and i think I can't remember if we talked about this on, on, on a recent podcast because I know I've talked about it in some of the workshops that I've done and I'm talk, I talk about it with clients. And But have we talked about the like just the basic mass of protein? Like 
and how wrong it oh, is you... from the RDA. Have we talked about that in a podcast? Oh, yeah, we have. When we had, so yeah. that's one of the ones put on the show notes when we had Michelle on and we yeah, did cool. our, yeah, we did, we yeah. did that so, session. We talked about like what the protein RDA is and what realistically versus, it should be. Yeah. Like, and, and then with training and what that would look like. Yeah, so I just feel like, yeah, it is so misunderstood and women think if they're going to eat more protein, they're going to bulk up too much. And it's yeah. just it's just not the case. It's understanding, yeah, yeah, exactly that. Like, yeah, it's just, it's such a little misunderstood macronutrient. And I'm going to say majority of women that I see are not getting their protein yeah, requirements. I'm going to say I'm going to say 90 plus percent yeah, of my clients huge. that come through the door are not it's hitting their so protein common. requirements. And then if they're not getting all. their protein requirements, they're often not getting that satiety from their food. So they yeah. actually are, uh, end up overeating more um, uh, sort of, I don't want to demonize other macronutrients because you know that's not what we're about, but they, they yeah. will be snacking because they're not eating much protein at all. They're snacking on a lot of sugary or refined carbohydrates or a, an overconsumption of carbohydrate load but they're mm. not getting they're and they're often afraid of fat too so they're like they're they're consuming a lot when if they actually were to just consume more protein or an adequate mm. amount of protein for their body they'd get that beautiful satiety from their meals mm. um and be able to eat within like a space that works really well to support their body and and let alone the metabolic effects, like the fact yeah, of how 100%. our body uses protein and how it supports our metabolism more um, effectively. Let al- and then let alone when you combine that with the, the training component, which is what we talked about with Michelle too. Yeah. And yeah, we will if anyone today. wants to yeah, go back and listen to that podcast, it is a really good one. Cause I think there's a lot of confusing confusion around training for women. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't there like just again it's just that you don't need to be doing six hit sessions a week to to lose weight if you're a a female in her 30 plus years like go back and listen to that podcast with michelle like get get up on your yeah increase your protein and just get into strength training and just you know yeah yeah well that's a listen to the podcast we're not yeah look i i think (laughs) i think you can't kind of put this we can't put this podcast out without marrying it with that podcast, yeah, that episode. Yeah. That's how important they are. So to move on yep. to things like training and calories and, pro- and, and protein altogether, mm. really the I think one of the best bits of advice that we would give women at this time in their life is to really seriously look at what sort of exercise you're doing yep. and look at how you can incorporate effective resistance training as a yep. priority of your training and then what that looks like with the protein that you're eating and then Mm -hmm. what that also looks like with your calorie intake as far as not under eating calories making sure you're getting enough to support your training um, and what that um, looks like for you and if you're really confused with that then reach out to someone like Michelle or, or talk to us and you know we can give you that guidance but if you get that if you just do that alone, yeah. like oh it is God. a massive game changer in this yeah, area. 100%. Like the amount yeah. of clients like at the moment I've got that are in their perimenopause years and we've sorted out their estrogen and we've done Dutch testing, we've got their gut good and all of that and they're like, right, I just need to lose weight now. Yeah. I'm, I'm just like work with Michelle. 
like people are <laughs> just go and work with her because I, I i will i will monitor your hormones i'll look at i'll monitor your gut I'll, I'll manage your supplements but she will watch your diet like a fucking eagle-eyed hawk yeah. and, <laughs> and watch your training like an eagle-eyed hawk until you understand what you actually need to do and once you've got that you've got you've you've done it like you know what yeah. i mean once you understand how to train properly for your for your body which is not overtraining so many listen to the michelle our podcast with michelle but yeah once you've got that you, you understand your calories you know how to macro balance your meals and hit your protein requirements like you are le- leaps and bounds ahead of you know mm-hmm. where a lot of women are like it's just yeah we can't stress that enough for sure and I know you put on this list about weight management. Um, I guess, that, you know, it kind of comes, <laughs> it really does as like the number one. I don't know if there's anything else you'd want to add to that when it no, comes to. No, I don't think so. I think it's mm. just like, it is important, obviously, to, to, to be really aware of, you know, the weight where you carry your weight, like, and all of that, because that obviously matters in terms of, and again, this one could come back to our um, podcast we did, our last podcast we did just on aging, healthy aging, and mm. where you carry your weight and all of that. Like, if you definitely are someone who's so cortisol-driven, thyroidy, insulin-y, and you carry your weight definitely more in that classic stress area, which is just your, your gut, like, you know, and that that's obviously something too, like, you really want to try and manage that, as best you can, as early as you can, is probably the you know the yeah. easiest way to easiest way to say that. Like it, you know, like the the more weight you sort of put on in your you know perimenopause or thirties and forties and into your fifties, like it 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 is harder to lose the older we get. Definitely, mm-hmm. like that goes without saying for women. We all know that. Like I made a joke with Mick this morning because. Um, I wish he was here to roll his eyes at me right now. We're starting it. We're doing like a um, a four-week sort of health kick, the two of us, starting Monday. Also <laughs> because he's just been... He's been so stressed. He just comes home and like hasn't... He's been drinking like every night because he's just got so much on his plate with work. But he's just in that cycle of just, you know unless I make him breakfast, like not eating breakfast, like unless he has, unless I make him a smoothie and he, he's that classic guy, like who will just run on adrenaline and have yeah. a coffee and then eat at one o'clock and then come home, have a couple of drinks, sit on his work, do his emails. Like he still exercises and stuff, but you know, he's definitely, he says, I put on a bit of weight. Like I really want to lose it. And I'm like, it, it'll happen so easily for you. I'm like, I'll do it with you though, because like, I'm, you know, I'm happy to, you know, I said, with no drinking during the week, I'm going to write us out a meal plan, you know, all that. No drinking during the week, easy for me, but I want him to do it. So, you know, I said, let's just fine tune it all. Exercise, you know, walk every day, get back into the gym because my back's almost at the stage where I can do that, which I'm really excited about. Oh, be careful. Um, Oh, I'm being so careful. I know, I know, I know. I've got to be so careful. I've I've set myself up a little weight training circuit. Anyway, but the whole point of this story was I said to him this morning, and this is me dumping all of this at him at 6.30 in the morning. Because um, I said it to him over a couple of days, but I was going out to my Cairo appointment this morning. And I'm like, so I'll write all that up today and be ready to go Monday. And I'm like, and you'll probably lose five kilos in a week and I'll probably lose half a kilo in the next month. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> but that's just what it is like for us women. So just, yeah, like it's, you know, the weight management stuff, like the earlier you really do all this stuff Jess and I are talking about, like the, your weight management is so much easier throughout your, yeah. you know, your... 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, yeah, 80s, exactly. 90s, <laughs> however, long we, however long we last. Now, last one on the list is nutritional deficiencies, um, which is interesting in how it relates back to some of these other points because mm. classically a woman at this time in her life, like we talked about, can often be highly stressed 
over-exercising and often under-eating, which is a just a absolute catalyst for a lot of these nutrient deficiencies mm. to occur because you're not eating enough in general and you've got this extra demand on your body. So you'll see things like magnesium dropping really quickly. You'll see your iron and your B12 absolutely dropping from that. And then I know you've got on the list here about your iodine and vitamin D. And I think you know, just jumping in Chris's brain, of course, for like listing these, <laughs> there's there's a really um, crucial element of your thyroid support here, which she yep. mentioned earlier. So if we've got deficiencies in things like iodine and iron, um, vitamin, all of them really, Zinc, but like I was going to just like, all of them. But <laughs> if you have these deficiencies, your thyroid gland is not going to work as effectively. And as she said earlier, it's going to power on down. And down. <laughs> if your adrenals aren't getting that, that support that they need, they're going to power on down. Like yeah, things. Exactly. So these nutritional deficiencies are really important to be on top of. And that can be um, as simple as making sure you're getting routine blood tests and you're under the care of a really good practitioner that's going to look at your bloods with a really scrupulous eye and make sure you're inside the ranges where you should be for you, what's your normal. Um, mm. And then where needed, supplementing accordingly or tweaking your diet accordingly. Um, mm. And we will see this all the time with women where a lot of the nutrients we've just mentioned are low. It's very, very, very common. Um, and conversely, when you start working on lifting these levels, you see that really wonderful positive response because the body's mm. getting those building back blocks back the uh yep. poked holes in the spider web are no longer there <laughs> they are coming the coming back together and <laughs> your little little crystal dews are coming back you talked about <laughs> yeah, little crystal, crystal dew drop drops <laughs> it's so true though like i think um iron is such a big one isn't it like so many women are classically yeah. iron iron deficient Yep. And it, and are for a great period of their life, but iron just goes so far beyond energy and red blood cells. Like it is so important for your thyroid. Um, iodine is a big one. I don't want everyone to run out and start taking iodine. Please don't do that unless you have a, the guidance of a nutritional practitioner. But understanding your your nutritional demands for your thyroid and your estrogen again is so important. Like if you're natural naturally an estrogen driven female. And then you don't address that in your 20s and your early 30s. And then that ramps up in your perimenopause years, your iodine uptake, your up, there's just so many things that are, you know, that, that, that change or are affected. So you, you need to have a good practitioner that understands that and knows what, what you need to be supplemented with vitamin D. God, we could do a whole podcast on vitamin mm -hmm. D. Make, just make sure that shit's optimal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bs, magnesium, vitamin C, all the things. All of the things, which, you know, again, we, we could list all of these vitamins and minerals, but to go back to our first point, if you're eating a really good macronutrient mm -hmm. whole food diet and you're eating yeah. enough calories and you're hitting your protein targets, then yeah. you're going to be generally going well in these areas. It's yeah. just then yeah. looking at, okay, what, what are my other demands top on top yeah. as far as my lifestyle? Yeah. But um, yeah, so I guess from there, as far as, wrapping it up as we have on our <laughs> spreadsheet here <laughs> it's it's really you know what we have pointed out is these key nutritional areas that 
yes, they're so important to consider uh, in these peri stages and beyond. But I think what we're trying to ram home is like, we want you to be considering this now, whether you're ram listening in, <laughs> ram it on in, whether you're tw- in your 20s or your 30s or 40s. It's like, think about this now, as we've said, we've been doing for a long time. So mm. we want you to get into this stage and to transition a little nicer and to if you are getting symptoms or you're like okay well maybe I need to consider xyz like what can I do um, yeah. what does exercise look like for you out of what we've talked about maybe you need to think about how that is working for you and maybe what you need to consider changing or adopting moving forward um, stress was a big factor in this and we always say it's like the hardest one because mm. you can't just take your kids out and leave them on the street and say see ya which I'm sure some of you probably would like to do <laughs> just drop them off somewhere and run really fast my, my mom did that to me when we were kids that was one of the things she used to do if we were pissing her off in the, like in the car or in the shop she would literally just leave us like I know like people wouldn't do that now but I remember one time we were he'd obviously been pissing her off so much she literally just pulled over kicked us out of the car and drove off but she only did a she only did a lap around the block but it was significantly and significant enough that i remember (laughs) she came back and got us but she literally was just like get out (laughs) get out i'm done i just did a lap around Which I'm sure would be so frowned upon now, but it's hilarious and fuck me, it worked. I bet it did. (laughs) Oh, dear. And last on the list is the testing. So if you want to know more, which we highly recommend, um, definitely your blood testing. There's so much. We talked about nutritional deficiencies, but there's also the the hormone testing there. And if you've got someone who understands those tests, they can really help deep dive into that but beyond mm-hmm. that is your functional testing with the dutch testing we've we've sung its praises but i was mm-hmm. i was going to ask you with the blood testing is there anything you wanted to point out specifically that people might not think about getting tested that they should be asking mm-hmm. their pracky about or their doctor about yeah, yeah. so um Obviously, thyroid, we've talked about that. If you can do a more comprehensive thyroid panel, that's amazing. Like iron is a big one. Vitamin D is a huge one. Um, If you want to, you can do your day 21 hormones and your day 21 progesterone. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you do a full day 20, because quite often people will go to their GP and they'll be like, my, I feel like my hormones are out of whack. I'm getting a really heavy period. And I know like blood tests aren't the be all and end all of hormones as we've discussed in other podcasts. But if you have a really good practitioner, you can still pull a fair bit of information mm. out of that. Seven days post ovulation though, have a look. Seven days mm. post ovulation, you want to be, you know, so if, you, if you're not someone who's getting a four week cycle, you've got PCOS or your period cycle starting to scatter out, but you know when you're ovulating, try and do a blood test six to seven days after you have ovulated because that is a, you know, that's a good idea, a good indication of if your progesterone is starting to drop out or what you're, mm. what you're sort of doing. Um, AMH if you want to, but probably not as necessary in the peri years, more, more so for fertility. Homocysteine, I know we bang on about this all the time, but I, it's a massive one because it's such a big indicator of your methionine cycle and how that works. And like if you've got mood stuff associated with, you know, your perimenopause years, if you've got, um, you know, like inflammatory stuff, if you've got estrogen stuff, like if you've got 
cardiovascular stuff like it's a really cool marker like it's it tells you so much about that methionine cycle and how you can work on it. and there's so much you can do nutritionally to work on that um, i do magnesium and zinc and b6 mm. i do them as standards if a mm. gp will do them um <laughs> if a gp will do them um, <laughs> 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 uh, i think general bloods that's kind of it b12 we've already mentioned White yeah, blood cool. cell, full, full blood count, electrolyte liver function. Yeah, yeah that's like standards. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. our standard. Like, I know that's not standard for a lot of people, but that's a standard JCN blood panel. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. where we are, so pretty much. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot, lot of pushback. <laughs> we, do get a lot of push, we get a lot of pushback, but we always ask. Um, and then beyond that, yeah, Dutch testing, even just an adrenal panel if it's, if it's relevant. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I thought you might want to mention that about the, the day 21 situation yeah. so um but yeah dutch testing functional tests we use in the clinic um a lot and just a fantastic test for us to gauge information about what's going mm. on also we talked a lot today about the liver detoxification through the liver which is something that the dutch test is just beautiful for for allowing yeah. us to understand that and the relationship back to that hpa axis so mm. yeah it's um if you are looking at delving in further, um, we'd highly recommend looking at in, into this. Do you need to do a Dutch test straight up? No, like make sure that all those other elements are things you're checking off first. But um, that they are all of the all of those elements brought together can be really wonderful tools. So, mm. is there anything else that you wanted to mention? I don't think so. Me neither. Um, no. Have you got your your flavor of the month? I was having a think about my uh, my um, what do we call them? Reco recommendation. Sh- sh- shameless shameless plug. Shameless plug. I was thinking about it as we we're just talking in the last five minutes, and I don't know why it popped into my head, but on my sister got me onto this. That's a free app that I downloaded called <laughs> Quickie Sticky. <laughs> You're gonna love that. <laughs> sounds and, so wrong. Sounds wrong, right? And it's like a. <laughs> I don't know if you can see it. I'll hold it up. But it's like it's like it's a virtual little sticky note on the. Is that? Oh, ah, okay. That? Yeah, 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 I can see that. So it, it adds it to your home screen like a, a sticky note, and then you just click on it, and you can write notes on it <gasps> as reminders. That's a brilliant idea. But the cool thing is, like, sticky. I know there's so many things like reminders and notes and writing things in books, but because we look at our phones so much, what I'm finding is that it's always in my face. Like so no matter easy, what, yeah. like I can't, it's really hard to forget about it. And one of, we didn't talk, I don't know why it wasn't on that list. One of the things with like the Perry stages is, uh. is uh, a little bit of the forgetfulness that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I think but, that's um, just too much in our brains. I know, that's probably that too. <laughs> that's been us since we were in our 20s. <laughs> so yeah you can put you can write whatever you want on here and it's just every time you look it's there and then obviously you can delete it off so if you're like me and you're needing little notes everywhere Everywhere. something that's in your face so you don't forget it's called quickie sticky (laughs) it's just really wrong 
so wrong. That's I actually I think I would love something like that because I'm like, well, you, we both are. Hey, you and I, like, we're ridiculous list writers oh. and just have lists for lists and just yeah, crossing off our list. So that I think having something like that because I personally don't. I use a notebook and I use our clinic calendar for everything. Like yep. my whole life is in my my bookings calendar with my clients, as I know yours is a bit <laughs> yeah. as well. But I don't use the reminders in my phone and stuff. Like I just I, mm. I write I write notes. Um, yeah, cool. That's a cool one. Hicky sticky sounds so wrong. <laughs> what did she say? I... Icky, quickie, quickie, oh, sticky. quickie, sticky. Not oh. icky. <laughs> Icky, sticky, sticky. <laughs> it's like incy, 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 wincy spy. <laughs> so we're on the slider theme. Um, I want to mention. Um, I'm going as I always am, but I. Everyone knows how obsessed with spice I am, but I've been using this um this sauce and it's called Chili Willies. Um, <laughs> what is with these things? What's wrong with that? Anyway, the one that I'm I've just loved that I've just finished is called Fire in the Hole, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, when I was at Stradion Regan, so I just want to give a shout out to that because that is actually available, but I need to read this other thing out to you guys because you guys, I hope everyone finds this as fucked up and funny as I do. <laughs> and I hope everyone's just not turning their podcast off now because they're like, oh, we don't even want to hear about this. But I bought this extra hot chili sauce from the markets at um, Point Lookout on the weekend. It's called Hot 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 Chilies, which to me is not as hot as, you know, some of them, but it's still delicious. But I was telling Jeff about it, Mick's cousin, and he's like... He's like, have you heard of there's a um, there's a um, sauce that's out? Hang on, and it's called. <laughs> it's everyone tune out if you got kids and just turn the sound down now. Yeah, it's right. too late now. It's called Bunsters. Shit the bed. <laughs> they got twelve out of ten heat hot sauce. <laughs> and yeah, but it actually goes through the process of it going through your digestive system. I haven't bought it yet. I'm gonna Whoa. buy it. And I'll just I read some of it, but it, it just cracked me up. So obviously, I want to talk about the fire and the whole chili sauce that I get for any any spice lovers. It's great to add to Mexican and stuff like this. But they basically just go through like. The sudden extreme heat causes salivary glands to convulse and release defensive quantities of bodily fluid as your body prepares to reject this hazardous substance. <laughs> <laughs> I won't read them all out because I know. But anyway, it goes through the actual digestive processes of what this sauce does to wow. the body. It is epic. Um, <laughs> do you want me to read the last one? <laughs> I think people just look it up. It's called Bunster's Shit the Bed Chili Sauce. It's hilarious. But anyway, I just wow. thought of that when I was talking about fire in the hole. But anyway, if anyone loves chili sauce. So is it chili... a, it's a sauce. It's not like a spice blend. No, no, no. It's a sauce. Like things yep. you shake on. I'm, I'm obsessed with chili sauces. Like yep. I try all these. Yeah. So anyway, Steph was showing me this thing on YouTube. This guy in the States who gets people to eat like different degrees of um, hot wings. While he's talking uh, to them, have you seen yeah, that? Yeah. I, Hot ones I've or something heard about like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, like I'm, we're all I'm a bit chilly mad, so yeah. But anyway, so Chili Willies is my recommendation it's to everyone. It's delicious. Obviously, um, really hot. Like quite hot. You reckon or no? I'm gonna say like, look, it's up there to me. Like I feel like I've got a pretty high tolerance. Like Mick would yeah. die. However, yeah. like if I'm doing tacos, I'm adding that and jalapenos, and I've already right. put chilies into the taco mint. So yeah. 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 I'm a sicko, but... <laughs> <laughs> Such a tolerance level, though. It's something you just build up. 
Oh, I love it. Like, and to me, like it's like with chilies, it's not like, you know how some people say it just wrecks the meal. Like for me, it's never that hot. Like I don't push myself to the stage. Like it's not that hot that it's my whole mouth is burning and I can't taste my food. Like I just have a good tolerance and it just enhances the flavor for me. But if you are someone who's sick like me, check out some of the chili willies ones. (laughs) If anyone's tried the Bunsters shit the bed stuff, let me know. Tag me on Instagram. Did you shit the bed? (laughs) Did you actually shit the bed? Oh, God. Anyway, that probably took it too far, but, you know, why not? Awesome, guys. Well, um, as always, thanks for joining. Thanks for joining. We'd love it if you would share every every time we see your little shares on socials. It's just awesome. We love um, seeing you listening and hearing what you're getting out of these episodes. And this is one, I think, in particular we often say don't we about all of them but no I feel like this one is one we really appreciate you sharing because I feel like it's a topic that needs to be out there more um and if you have any feedback or any questions or any suggestions you know you can dm us whether it's us directly or through the JCN Instagram page um and I think that's pretty much it just looking up yeah I just want to know when is our 100th episode Oh, it's super soon. It's I'd love super to, soon. I'd love we, to know from our listeners what they'd like us what, to do. What do you want us to talk about for our 100th episode, team? Um, gosh, <laughs> You'll probably I'm tell just... us then we'll just go rogue. It yeah. is. Um, let me click What do you want that. us to do for our 100th episode? So today is episode 97 okay, when it goes so... up. So we've got three three episodes before we hit it so so this is 97 90 we've got yeah. two episodes and then yeah. we hit the 100th yeah 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 so, so if anyone has stayed through this entire podcast which has almost been have we been talking for like an hour and a half two hours i don't know anyway um what's that say <laughs> 71 minutes <laughs> okay that's not too bad for us that's all right but yeah and knows what they want us to talk about for our 100th episode Otherwise, we are just going to pick the most random topic. We might do like a, we could do like a full review. That might be a bit boring. A big sigh. We'll just like, we'll just get all nostalgic. Yeah, let's let's talk about something like really oddball. If no one suggests anything, we will. Well, maybe we'll put, we could put some, we'll put up some question box and say, what do you want to hear in our 100th episode? And we're preferably the odder, the weirder, the better. The weirder, the better. Yeah. Yeah. We still want it to be related to nutrition no, in some capacity no okay no we don't it's something really <laughs> odd <laughs> my brain's going in all types of places right now i think we need to let's call this a day <laughs> all right guys thanks for joining and we'll chat to you next time chat to you next time bye, bye.